welcome to the Electric Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated entirely to sports and only sports. On today's episode, we talk U.S. soccer, and here is your host, Ty Crystal. All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Nice to have you on the show today. We're back with another USMNT show. I feel like it's just rapid fire on these shows as the tournament goes on. We had a little break, but the Gold Cup is back, and it's as fun as ever, I think we could say. Um, Yes, so we're going to talk about the close game that the U.S. had with Jamaica. Uh, They were able to get the 1-0 win courtesy of a Matthew Hoppy 83rd-minute header. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the goods, the bads. We'll talk about each of the individual players, see what we think here. And we'll also look at our prospects moving forward as... The tournament has shaped out in a very similar way of what I expected it to be like, and I think that'll benefit the U.S. moving forward. It was definitely good to get Canada and the and the Mexican team on the other side of the bracket in this you know bracket play, and then us deal with Jamaica. Uh, you know, I'm starting to wonder how good Canada will be in the World Cup qualifiers. Um, very interested to see what they do there. But we're the bracket starting to line up in a very favorable way, I think, for the U.S. moving forward. So uh, we'll talk about that as well. Um, of course, we'll talk about each of the individual players more than timeline thing on this show. We're just I don't know, not really into the timeline stuff. It, it's kind of annoying in my opinion. So we'll talk about each of the individual players. I kind of broke their notes up into like 15 minute segments, and uh, we see how they play in every 15 minutes or so. Uh, we'll give out some ratings. We'll talk about. Uh, let's see positives and negatives to start off though uh so let's see positives i I mean off the top of course positive is gotta be uh the win it was a big game and i think that you know i said this many times already uh semi-final is the minimum and a semi-final appearance is where we're at now and you know in my opinion this is a mission accomplished now um, in my eyes, at least. I don't know what you guys will say about that. I don't know what the team goals are or whatever, but getting to this point is, as far as I hoped this t- team would go, just based on the talent that they have in their in their camp right now, uh, I couldn't be happier with where they're at. So, you know what? I'm fine with where this is at the moment, and uh, the win is a positive. So in my eyes, once again, mission accomplished for this tournament of course, I want them to move on and do well moving forward. Uh, but if it doesn't go so well next year or uh, on Thursday, I, I won't be as upset as I would be if uh, you know we lost this game against Jamaica. So I'm pretty happy. Uh, another positive, I think the lineup was really good from Greg Berhalter. In, in all honesty, I really do. Um, I think, honestly... I don't think I would have changed anything else about this lineup uh, when it was put out. I don't, I don't have any problems with it, really. So I think maybe I would have preferred Jawakini over Ariola, but you know you're being really picky there. So it was a great lineup. Um, we'll talk more about the lineup to come. Uh, another positive: I thought our defense played really well again. I think some of these defenders have like risen to the occasion for sure, and they're. They're making their cases to why they need to be on that World Cup qualifying roster in the uh, in the fall and headed into next year. And then, just like that, we'll be at the World Cup. So there's a real uh, desire I can see from these defenders. I mean, all four of them, 
maybe less finds, but all four of them in this game definitely impressed me and, and played really well. And uh, they're all rising up my depth charts. I mean, as much as they can, because we're we're I'm beginning to see that we're kind of deep at center back, and it makes me really happy. So another positive would be that we handled the pressure when we needed to. You know what I mean? Like we did not really crack under the pressure when there were times that we potentially could have. Jamaica was putting tons of pressure on us in the first part of the game in the last 15 minutes of the second half. Obviously, we did much better in the second half, I think, as an overall standpoint. But in the first half, there was large stretches where they were putting major pressure on us. And you know what? This this team held strong and really played well to not give up a goal, get through all the tough moments, and uh, get into that second half tied at zero, and even making a couple threatening chances of their own. So uh, another thing that I want to talk about as well, th- that's a big positive, and I don't know if anyone's really talking about this, but this group is a largely second to third choice group, right? Like it's a BC team with a couple A guys here and there. Uh, but largely this is a not highly uh, regarded roster by a lot of the fan base, right? So it's very fantastic to see these guys, this quality of a, of a team, step up against Jamaica, who for the most part has a lot of first choice guys on their roster right now. Like, they are playing with a lot of their best players. Uh, Of course, there are some that are missing for Jamaica that would also improve them and help them a lot. So, of course, we'll preface with that. But this team has shown a real desire to win. Their attitude has been much more uh, of a positive thing for me than I thought it would be entering into this tournament. Like, I was kind of expecting them to be, what's the word, a little... Just not experienced enough, I guess, is the word. Not experienced enough to handle the pressure and handle the moment uh, when they needed to. And honestly, it gives me a lot of hope that we can go deep into our into our pool and find decent players or good enough players that will play with teams like Jamaica who have really good lineups and really good rosters. I mean, there are legit you know, Premier League or championship caliber players on this Jamaican team uh, Leon Bailey was like the only one that didn't play, which was unfortunate. So that's probably Jamaica's best player. He didn't play. And unfortunately, um, I think that hurt them. But for the most part, I mean, we just look at their roster here. Biggest players they're missing. I mean, there's a few guys that have like one or two caps that are championship players. Um, but there's not a lot of players on here that have like multiple caps or tons of caps that you're like, oh, they're definitely missing them. Uh, maybe Orgel, I think, would be the biggest miss, honestly. Jamal Lowe, who I who only has one cap. You know, there's certain players that only have one cap that they're trying to do this this dual national thing with from, from English players. So, yeah, I, I think this is a positive that our largely second, third choice type of team has turned into really good performance against a mostly A lineup of a Jamaican squad. So that makes me happy. There, there are positives I could go on with more, um, but that's just more of the main positives I think we could say. Uh, okay, one one more I'll throw in is that I think Burhalter actually won the coaching battle this time, but he had a hand in turning the performance around from the first half to the second half. Uh, they were really struggling to try and be creative and build the ball up. Not that we did much of that in the second half either, <laughs> especially through the midfield. 
it seemed like adjustments were made at halftime, and we came out, and we played much better. We were more threatening right away. Sure, it took us forever to score that goal, but a large part of me was like, you know what? I think Burhalter has done the right things here, has done the right things here to uh, make us better in the second half. That's a positive. I mean, we can we can rail on Burhalter all we want, and you know, complain that he's the coach and his roster selection. Sure, was pretty bad for this. Um, we can agree on that. And there are certain things that we can all be a little annoyed with. That's that's fair, uh, especially in this tournament. But there isn't much I could complain about from a Greg Berhalter standpoint, other than maybe his sub. Well, not even really his subs either. Like The more I think about it, his subs were fine. I just wanted him to make a fifth one. Uh, just because I think if you got all five of the subs, you gotta you just use them all. So that's more of a personal preference. So honestly, when I think about it even more and kind of rationalize with you guys, I don't think <laughs> I can hardly complain about anything for Greg Berhalter. So that was a big plus. Um, we can give him a lot of crap, and we'll be critical of him when we need to be, but it was a pretty good game from him, the right lineup and everything like that. Uh, some negatives. So some negatives, obviously been talking about this this whole <laughs> ugh, this whole tournament is the roster selection it's just it just wasn't very uh well put together as far as the positions that were of need like wingers and it's i think it's still a problem honestly uh we don't really have any true wingers Ariola's he's still not totally fit i mean you can still see that he's not totally up to par and Jonathan Lewis, I don't even think he'll touch the field again. So we really don't have any wingers right now that are fully healthy and are good options. Uh, the midfield lacks creativity in a lot of ways, and I think that really hurt us in this game, to be specific. And I think that if we do end up playing Mexico, I think that's where we'll lose the game, is in the midfield. And honestly, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that we'll fare very well against Canada if we have to play them again. So, you know, but that's assuming we've got to get past Cutter, and you don't want to overlook them because they've been kind of interesting, and we'll talk about them later. So roster selection, build, whatever you want to call it, not very good. But we've talked about that many times. We all know this. It's what we expect moving forward. I mean, we're just going to have to deal with the fact that it's not a very good roster. And not necessarily the player selected, just the build of the roster, the profile of the roster, as we say. Um, negative, I don't I don't know what the hell that field was. That was so sad. Um, I was going to talk about this, like, earlier, but the field was ridiculous. Like, what was that? It was a turf field that was, like, stretched together with a bunch of turf chunks or natural grass chunks. Like, they just laid natural grass chunks over the turf field. And I'm like really like this is the highest level uh tournament in our region and that's what you guys throw out there for the field so i mean you could see that the ball was not moving very well on the, that surface i mean it was just it was ridiculous um i wouldn't want to play on anything like that and it continues to frustrate me that we as a federation insist on playing in these football stadiums that have turf fields because we don't want to play on turf. No one wants to play on turf. I don't know why we insist on playing on the turf. And then since you play on a turf field and you don't want to actually play like on the turf surface, instead you freaking 
put grass like strips of natural i don't know it's just it's the worst thing i think for uh soccer in the u.s is just this this joke of a i mean it's, it is it's a joke to make the fields like this so i'm very disappointed with that um that was a big negative for me and i know that's nothing necessarily on the players or about our team or anything but it's just a reflection of Concacaf and the federation as a whole i mean it's just you got to put out something better than that because if that like if that's what we're going to do in the world cup when we host it in five years you know because they're going to have games in, in that arena or in that stadium like is that what they're i, I assume they will at least uh is that really what they're going to throw out there because that's pretty sad all right let's let's talk about a few more negatives we already talked about the midfield no creativity in the midfield um very lacking in that department unfortunately that's just kind of how the roster was built, so I don't got to go over that one too much more. I didn't love our approach to this game as far as, like, hoofing it out of the back more. Like, did you guys notice that, too? It felt like we were lobbing the ball forward a lot more. It didn't feel like we wanted to possess the ball as much as we had in previous games for whatever reason, uh, whether it's, you know, Turner's deficiency with playing with the ball at his feet or whether we just weren't confident in playing through that Jamaican press, or that was the game plan coming in. Like, I I don't know. Um, but I like the possession style, and I think, yes, even though our midfield is lacking in creativity and, and on-ball skills, um, I'd still prefer to see more of a hold the ball, keep it at our feet, and try and sustain possession more than just in our half with our center backs, you know, because that's where a majority of our possession came from. I felt like, and sure, we dominated the possession hugely, but it wasn't like it was the most productive possession for large stretches of that game. So I definitely want to see, wanted to see more in that department. Um, but hey, if that was the game plan, and it's because this group of players is just a little deficient in the ability to possess the ball, then I'm fine with it. Uh, I just want it to look a little cleaner, I guess we could say, because it didn't look very clean. It looked like we were panicking a little too much for my taste. Um, it just kind of felt like the old style from like the 2018 qualifiers, you know, where it was like, we just don't really know how to get out of this pressure. Um, and yeah, we handled it well as far as not turning over the ball like a ton and, and giving up a ton of dangerous chances because there were only like two of those considering how much pressure there was. But at the same time, there's a there's a balance that we need to find of playing through that pressure in a really good way, right? And then handling the pressure uh, while we play through it. Because, you know, lofting the ball over some heads and trying to hit Daryl DK, it's just not, I don't really know if that's going to work for what I think our team is building towards. Burhalter is building towards a much more possessive style. And I think that's the way that, uh, will make our national team that is the yeah that's the way our national team will find the most success is by uh being very strong in the possession department and not giving the other team the ball very much because when jamaica did have the ball in this game there were points where i was like oh crap don't let them do that <laughs> you know like there were points where it you got a little nervous because it was a little rough at times as far as them holding the ball building making a decent chance and putting us under a lot of pressure, Turner come up big in a lot of, of situations. So, you know, I didn't like the that approach to the game. 
uh, from Burhalter, whether that was his plan or not. That's was like the biggest negative I think for Burhalter's performance, which affected the team's performance in a lot of ways. All right, yeah, I don't got no more negatives. So I, overall, I mean, I'm sure there's something we could find to criticize again, but I don't. I'm good. I think that uh, you know, there's more positives and negatives we could all put out there. I'm sure you guys have some that I haven't mentioned. But uh, that's all I got right now. So let's talk about these individual players. I don't necessarily, you know, there were some late subs, and it'll be hard to talk about them very much with Yaukini and Cannon, but we'll talk about the starters a majority of the time. So, all right, let's start in goal, uh, work our way through the defense, midfield, attackers. You know how the order is if you listen to any show, including this one. Uh, all right, Matt Turner. So, like I said, we broke this up into 15-minute segments, and uh, we'll just kind of break it down. So his first 15 minutes, I thought, quiet. Uh, had one save off of a long outside-the-box shot, which, you know, no big deal. Handled that one really easy. Um, the next 15 minutes, also very quiet. Uh, the U.S. was controlling that middle part of, you know, in between the the middle 15 portion of the first half was very good from the U.S. Turner didn't have to do much. Uh, we held the ball a lot more. We were a lot better in that department, so... He it was very quiet for him, which that's fine with me. I mean, I don't as long as he makes the saves that uh, he needs to at the end. So uh, his biggest save, well, I mean, he had two good saves really because there's one later in the game too. But uh, he had two big saves. The first one coming in the 39th on a great shot uh, from outside the box. He was at full stretch to his left, one hand parried it away. And uh, honestly, it was a good last 15 minutes. He dealt with any pressure that was coming in. There was a few chances where Jamaica put us under pressure in that last 15 of the first half and kind of got like weak shots off, and Turner did a good job of just cleaning it up. Uh, In the second half, it was a little more quiet for him. He only really dealt with a couple like crosses that had to come in that he just grabbed out of the air, which was fine or you know there was kind of like a shot cross type of thing that he handled pretty well as well honestly didn't do a ton in that second half that I was like okay that was huge I mean and maybe you know I'm totally missing something I probably am but uh I thought he played a really solid good game Uh, one of the things I noticed from Turner is his play out of the back like with his feet and maybe this was just me. I don't know. Uh, it was very good, actually. It was very productive in a lot of ways. Really didn't put a ton of misplaced passes in there. He didn't really look that rough under pressure at times. I mean, in all honesty, he played a pretty solid game when it comes to uh, playing out of the back. And <laughs> I don't know whether I should say this or not, but he's up on my depth chart, man. Like, in my opinion, there are there is a case to be made for four different guys to be the number one for the USMNT in goal. And you can call me crazy, but I think I think it's legit. I mean, between Turner, Horvath, Stefan, Achoa, I think I would take any of them, honestly. They all have different qualities and things that are good and bad about them, so you know, Ochoa is young and he's cocky and flamboyant, but he's a good shot stopper and he plays with his feet well. Like in an all-around sense, I think he's our best goalkeeper, but his disadvantages are his youth. Uh, with Turner, 
Turner is an amazing shot stopper. He's got all the athletic ability to be an amazing goalkeeper, like a top-level goalkeeper, but he can't play with his feet very well. It's just something that lacks in his game that you wish could be better. Horvath, I think he's decent with his feet. I think he's decent shot stopper. I think that he could be better if he got more consistent game time. Uh, but that's his biggest disadvantage. He has no, he has had hardly any game experience over the last year or so, and it's really kind of affected him, I think, in his development. So I wish he could have had a more sustained amount of time as the number one in Bruges, but I'm glad he's at Nottingham Forest now. And and Stefan, I don't know what to think about Stefan because I don't know how good of a shot stopper he is. He's pretty good with his feet for the most part but he hardly plays at his club like ever. <laughs> That's not really so like, I don't know if I would love to see Stefan in goal. If world cup qualifiers were tomorrow, you know, like if we were playing Canada tomorrow in Nashville, I don't know if I'd be jumping at the gun to have him actually be the starter. He just has some shaky moments that I don't like. So everyone brings different things to the table and it's just going to be up to Berhalter to decide what he likes. Uh, let's start with center backs. I thought, so we'll just play, you know, we'll just talk about them as a pair, really, because they did awesome together. Really strong defense in the first 15 minutes from both of them. Pressure kind of got to them early in the game, but they settled down through that next half an hour, really, into, into halftime. Uh, they played really solid, took care of everything that they needed to. I was so happy to see Robinson playing so strong uh, because for a large stretch of that game, or excuse me, for a large stretch of time in the Canada game, when Zimmerman went out, I was very nervous. Like, okay, who's going to take over this this number one center back role now that Robinson or now that Zimmerman's out of the camp or injured or whatever's going to happen to him? Uh, Robinson stepped up and he's played really well. And Sands is so good with his feet and very strong in the air. And defending, I mean, he's just all around a great center back. Uh, I would honestly love to see him play at the 6-2. I think he will be on the World Cup qualifying roster at the 6 position and could be like a dual center back as well. So I'm for that. So they both played really well. Uh, The best moment of the game for Sands, I mean, I'm not really going to pick out one because his game was all solid, but the best moment of the game for Robinson was in the 56th. He was all by himself on a Jamaican break. Uh, They had, I think it was like three on two, maybe three on three, but they definitely were threatening. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this isn't good. Um, I thought we were going to get scored on and go down 1-0, but isolated all by himself on the Jamaican break. He comes up with a huge defensive stop, just sticks his foot in there, very strong and decisive in the tackle, uh, very fantastic from him. I was very happy to see him have such a strong game. Let's talk about the outside backs. Uh, you know, Vines was kind of disappointing. For a majority of my notes, I just wrote very quiet game. Uh, he didn't do much, honestly. That first 15 minutes, he had, you know, some nice combination play with Hoppy and Legette down the left side. It never really materialized in anything. In the second half, he started to take a couple set pieces, like corners, which, thank God, because Legette needs to not take those anymore. I'm not very impressed with his performance. Um, I'm, you know, kind of in the Vines camp, but he's not really done anything to step up and be like, okay, 
this is the guy, you know. He hasn't really done anything in my mind to uh, take over that number one spot for sure at the left back position. And he's not really making a great case to be like, he's definitely the second choice. Um, it just, I don't know. Him and Bello haven't been impressive in the times that we've seen them. I would almost be curious to see Bello against Cutter. Uh, I think at this point I'd kind of be okay with it. So we're not really seeing anything from him. Uh, Shaq Moore played pretty good overall in this game, I thought. Uh, he had a shot opportunity in the first 15 minutes that he couldn't really control. I know a couple people were kind of like, you know, oh, he really should have finished that done better or whatever. I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, it was just, it was just one of those things where it's a tough ball to control for an outside back that doesn't have a lot of chances like that. This is kind of what you get from defenders sometimes. <laughs> His defensive game was pretty solid. I didn't think he was very active in the attack uh, as much as he has been in the past couple games. But I, for the most part, I was pretty impressed with his defensive game. Uh, he was moving forward and being, you know, around the attack, not really as much involved in the attack as, as like, definitely uh, when we played Haiti. I mean, he hasn't really been at that level since that game. So, you know, he's very much settling in. He got subbed off at the 83rd. Um, but he's settling into this tournament. He's settling into this team. I think he's kind of taken over that right-back position from, from Cannon for the rest of the tournament, most likely, I would say. <clears throat> and uh, he's I've put him higher on my depth chart over Yedlin. I, I, you know, I really like Yedlin. He's one of my favorite players, uh, really, since I got into the U.S. men's national team. But as things sit right now, I would much rather see Shaq more just for his, you know, slightly better technical ability on the ball. And I think he's stronger on the defensive side of the ball as well compared to Yedlin. So Moore is rising up my depth chart, and I think he could potentially make that World Cup qualifying run with us. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, okay, let's get into the midfield. Like we've talked about, midfield, not productive, not creative, uh, but they did they did what they needed to, and we'll talk about the three individual guys here. Uh, let's start with the six. Uh, Acosta, Kellen uh, Acosta, he played fantastic, honestly. Like, you know, guys, I've been... And the I've been a supporter of Callan Acosta since he come back into the national team uh, with Burhalter after the lockdown and everything, because I saw some things from him that I was very impressed with that I really liked in those first couple games, and I'm like, okay, I want to keep seeing him. He was a really promising player before, you know, he completely stopped getting called up, and I feel like everyone kind of, you know, anyone that was part of that 2016, well, 2018 World Cup qualifying failure they kind of like ostracized from the fan base or from the group by the fan base because they don't want to see anyone like that unless it's christian Pulisic. that's like the only guy that i think is still around really in in a large capacity so i think Acosta's kind of been treated a little unfairly in in some aspects he's really uh he's also you know an mls player and gets a lot of crap for it but I've been a defender of the guy, and uh, this game is is why I've been a defender of Kellen Acosta, because he will have a game like this where he plays really well. Uh, now, yes, granted, he's not always going to have a game like this. You know, his inconsistency is there. There were moments on the ball, like when he was on the ball, that weren't very good, and he gave up a couple uh, turnovers on careless passes. And yeah, 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 we know, we know. But I still will take his, at time, inconsistent offensive 
um, attributes for a strong defensive game, which I think he usually has a better defensive game than offensive game. So I liked what I saw from Acosta. I mean, he was just, you know, I could go over some of my notes, but pretty much the entire game, he was just running around the midfield, just blowing stuff up. Like he was just stopping attacks, uh, getting in people's faces, making really good defensive decisions. Like the dude was all over the field. And I was like, man, this is a really solid game. Um, Of course, didn't provide very much in the attack, but as a CDM, how much do you want him to provide in the attack, you know? And maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but does Tyler Adams, like, get upfield and score a lot of goals, or is he just kind of a really good connector of passes and builds up and really strong at covering the center backs and plays a very solid game at the six? Like, yeah, I think he has a goal for the U.S. Uh, But honestly... I think Acosta did very well in this position. And uh, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of him playing the six, but if he can play like this at a more consistent level, I would I would be very interested to see it. Uh, he had a really good shot in, before halftime that was a screamer from a recycled corner that kind of found its way out to the top of the box, and he hit it. And it was dipping, but it just dipped late, and it cleared the crossbar. I was like, man, if he scores that, I'm freaking out. So, you know, I feel good about what Kellen Acosta did. Uh, does this put him in this prestigious air for the rest of the midfield? Uh, no, I still think, you know, he'll be an edge type of guy in the top 30 because I kind of think that's how we'll approach the qualifiers. Like, we'll call in like 30 guys and then rotate a 23-man roster between them. At least I hope that's how it kind of works because that'll make sense. Uh, But yeah, I think he'll kind of be like in that 20 to 30 range in a full team. But if he keeps playing like this, like he did against Jamaica, he is very much in the team for me. So uh, let's talk about Busio. So Busio played much better in this game from a heart and work ethic standpoint. Um, he was getting pushed around and losing out on some challenges. And you could see that he was settling in as the game went on. He really didn't do uh, a ton of great passing. He really didn't, you know, a lot of his passes seemed to be more backwards or sideways. Um, but he wasn't really doing a ton that I was like, okay, I love what I'm seeing. But he was really trying hard, which I think was a big difference from this game and the Canada game, uh, he'd kind of get bullied on the ball by Canada or he'd lose challenges or make a bad pass or whatever. And there wasn't as many times that we saw him kind of, you know, get back at the ball, get back at the guy that just took the ball from him and be like, you know what? Screw you. I'm, you're going to push me around, but I'm not going to take it. Uh, so I was happy to see him be, you know, so aggressive and trying to go back after guys when he lost the ball uh, there were times where I was like, okay, he is looking good on the ball, playing pretty well. And then there was times where I was like, man, his youth is really showing because you can just tell he doesn't quite have that experience um, to be a very you know, highly productive midfielder for the U.S., at least right now in his career. Because I think later in his career, it's going to be much better for him. Uh, he'll develop more. He'll find a higher level of play, I think, because we got to keep in mind, the kid's only 18. If he looks like, you know, around an edge top 30 guy for the U.S. 
and an, and a fringe midfield player for the World Cup qualifiers, what's he going to look like in three or four years? You know, what's he going to look like in the next cycle for 2026 and everything? So I'm stoked for the kid. Wasn't his best game, but I'm still very happy with how he played. I mean, I, I honestly can't complain too much for, with what I saw. Uh, the heart was excellent. The, the fight back was excellent. And yes, we'd like a few things to be cleaner from him, but 18-year-old playing against a very tough Jamaican side, um, pretty happy with what I saw from him. Legit, uh, <laughs> how do we describe him? Um, he connected the passes a lot in this game. He didn't really do much, though. Like, my most, my most notable thing from him, towards the end of the game, it was maybe like in the last 10, 15 minutes, something like that, he had like this horrendous shot that he like, I don't know if he like scuffed his foot on the turf or whatever, like, I don't know what he did, but there is a shot that he tried to take from like around the edge of the box, and it was just horrible. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, what was that? Um, no, I don't think he did much to impress me. I don't think he did a lot to hurt himself. He was just very... Sebastian Legette made some good defensive plays, had a few good, you know, connecting pass moments. The biggest problem with Legette, though, is that he's just not creative, right? Like, he's not creative on the ball. He's not going to offer a lot um, in that department. And... Is that good enough for a U.S. midfielder? Probably not in, like, the A team, not a starter, I don't think, but he could still see that World Cup qualifying roster. I just, I feel like I am kind of losing confidence in Legette the more he plays in this Gold Cup, honestly. I just, I haven't been very impressed with him. Like, going all the way back to that Switzerland friendly, he hasn't really impressed me since then. So I don't know if that's because the level of competition has stepped up. I don't know if that's because the games are more important now. I just I have not been that impressed. So he had a quiet game. He did all right, but he didn't really do anything that I was like very impressed by either. I mean, he missed that bad shot, and then I wrote in the notes he can't take set piece. He can't take set pieces. I mean, he just can't. I don't understand. There were a couple corners that we had earlier in the first half that we took short, like opted for a short corner, and I was just like, we have to do this because he can't put in a threatening cross. So I was happy to see that Vines was doing that more in the second half, taking some corners. But honestly, I think Busio should just be taking all that. Like he should take all the free kicks, he should take all the corners. For this group, that's what he should be doing. So it continues to frustrate me that Legette is on set piece duty. So, sorry, but it does. Uh, let's talk about our wingers. Ariola didn't do a lot in the first half. Uh, I noticed he was getting beaten, beat in the air a lot. Like, he wasn't... I mean, and I guess we're not expecting him to be. But every time a header would come in his direction, like a contested header, he would lose out on the aerial duel. Like, he didn't win very many aerial duels. Uh, he started to play better towards the end of the second half, or excuse me, towards the end of the first half. There were times where he kind of put things together and looked, you know, more like a Paul Ariola that we've come to be more familiar with. With that being said, I don't think he was quite a hundred percent. I think that he started in this game because Berhalter wanted the veteran experience and his veteran mindset, uh, but he just didn't really do a ton that I was like that that made me think that he was fully healthy and ready to go. 
Uh, the biggest things for me is his defensive play in the second half was really good. There was lots of times where he'd track back and clean up balls in the midfield or, you know, get into the box and have some clearances. Like, for the most part, he did pretty good at being a defensive winger, uh, which isn't necessarily a, a great thing. <laughs> um, but I, if that's his game, that's his game. Like, we ought to keep in mind the limitations of this roster are just what they are, you know? They're just they're limitations, and we can't really control that. So Ariola is just kind of a limited player. Uh, I don't know if he does get in into this World Cup qualifying roster. Just based on what I've seen so far, it's I wouldn't say so. Uh, Hoppy, I think, <laughs> so this is what, <laughs> this is Hoppy's game in a nutshell, okay? So you guys all know, or if you don't, uh, Glenn Dempsey's my favorite USMNT player of all time. I think he's also the best USMNT player of all time. Call me biased, I don't care. I, I think that he's the best. Uh, he was the king of try shit and see what happens, you know? And that was maybe one of my things that, that was maybe one of the things that made me like him so much. Hoppy, Hoppy, I think, might be the next Clint Dempsey. Because <laughs> um, it kind of felt like his whole game was, all right, I'm going to try some shit. I'm going to see what happens. That didn't really work. Or, oh, that worked. And then he goes, like, too far with it and loses the ball. Or, you know, there were times where he's trying to dribble through the entire Jamaican midfield, gives up the ball, leads to a shot from Jamaica. I It just wasn't – I mean, there were times where he looked out of place or or he didn't know where he was supposed to be, I guess, is maybe the better way to describe it. Describe it. Like, his positioning maybe was off a little bit. But the thing that I will say is his desire to just, you know, keep moving, keep trying to create something, keep moving uh, the ball, not letting it sit too much. You know, like, yeah, he lost the ball sometimes and he did some stupid stuff on the ball that led to turnovers, but you can't fault him for his effort and his try, his desire to uh, at least try and put it out there. So I'm not too happy with his game, but I'm not very upset either. Like I find it really hard to criticize guys that try really hard and don't always get things to come off the way they want them to. Uh, But to his credit, he just kept trying. He didn't get discouraged. And I think that's a really good quality for a young player to have. I think he will be very successful at Schalke this year, this season. Now that they're in the second Bundesliga, I think he'll have a pretty good season. Uh, His goal before he got subbed off, I think it was deserved from his standpoint, Uh, but it wasn't wasn't the best cross. In my opinion, it wasn't a good cross. I saw a lot of people being like, oh, that was a great cross from Roldan. I thought it was kind of a junk ball that Roldan just threw up there, hoping someone would get to it, and Hoppy positioned himself really nicely. Zardis also had a hand to play in that goal, kind of dragging defenders away and and kind of getting in Blake's way also. So I think Hoppy, you know, you can't necessarily love everything he did because he made quite a few mistakes. But I will say his effort was fantastic, and that's what I do like a lot from this kid. Like, he just keeps trying. Uh, and it kind of gives you vibes that he'll be special moving forward in his career. Like if he can keep stuff up like this, I see no reason why he can't, you know, go very far in his career. So maybe refine some of those skills. Maybe no wins the right, when is the right time to, uh, use the skill and, and back off a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I like what I've seen from hoppy, uh, DK. I don't know what to say about DK, man. I feel bad 
for DK because he is so young as far as his professional career goes that I think the expectation, like we've seen, we've seen him play and do some pretty crazy things, right? And it kind of is like, oh man, look at what this guy can be. Like the potential is insane. I feel like the expectations might be too high. Like we are putting too much on his shoulders from the stand, the fan standpoint. And then when he doesn't play very well, like he's so easy to criticize. It seems like you don't want to criticize him because you've put all this, you know, faith and, and hope into him. But I, I just, I feel bad criticizing DK, but he didn't do very well. <laughs> he just, he just didn't play very well. He has heavy touches. Uh, I don't think he was winning a ton of challenges that he needed to. He wasn't really carrying the ball very well. I mean, the, one of his first touches, he just flat out like hit it so hard that it just went out of bounds right on the sideline. I, I was just like, what What the hell was that? So I don't think he played very well. I thought it was, if I, he hasn't had very many games for the U.S., but it, it was his worst performance for the U.S. And as the competition gets tougher, as the, as the quality of opponent uh, increases, I think maybe he'll start to struggle a little more. So, you know, I that doesn't mean that I still don't have a ton of faith in his potential because I think he has a high ceiling. He just really has to refine these skills. I mean, mostly his first touches because I watch him play sometimes and I watch his first touch and I'm like, dude, his first touch at times is worse than Zardis's. And that's, that's saying something. Like, if neither of them can touch the ball very well on their first touch and then we're, we're, we might be in trouble moving forward. So I didn't think DK played very well. He, there was a shot that he had, uh, later in the first half. I mean, he had a really good run, kind of carried the ball. Didn't really get the finish because a, a guy come in and slid on him, blocked the ball. Ugh, it just wasn't the strongest game from him. And I was kind of disappointed because, you know, he had, this was his time against a good opponent to really show us what he had. And I think a lot of the problems, of course, can also be attributed to the midfield for why DK is not playing very well. But scores still have to find their own ways to score, even if the midfield can't really produce to them all the time. Like, and that might be unfair to say, but that's kind of the truth. You know, like you got to figure out ways to still do your thing, even if your teammates aren't helping you. So I don't think he played very well. He got subbed out of the 63rd minute. And I was just like, yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Zardes, who come on for DK. Uh, honestly, I thought he played much better. <laughs> uh, I think that he come in and was more active. I think that for, I don't, I don't know if there was some reason that the game kind of picked up for us when Zardes come on or not. But when he came on, it just seemed like we were more threatening. I don't know if it was his movement. I don't know if he was opening up channels for passes that DK wasn't like, Zardis was just playing better uh, in in this game when he come on for that half an hour. Right, like right away, he got involved in the play, had a touch in the box, had a shot. Uh, I feel like the game was more threatening with him in it from a U.S. attacking standpoint. So, you know, I whether that was just oh, here's some fresh legs, it's picked up the game, which yes can happen, of course, or if it was just hey, Zardis is better he's doing different things um 
compared to what DK was doing, and it, and it makes makes the team better. So I was pretty happy with how Zardis played, actually. This this striker position is still up in the air. I have no idea where it's going. You know, I don't know who the starting striker should be. I had DK on that depth chart at number one. After this game, I put Sargent back at number one. So whew, I don't know. It's it's tough. Um, but I will say, which I'm not probably going to, you're, you're probably not going to hear a lot from me. This artist actually played pretty good uh, when he came on compared to what DK did. That's for sure. Uh, Rodon was on in the 63rd. You know, the fact that he come on as a winger pissed me off so much. Again, it pissed me off. The guy's not a winger. Like, Berhalter does know that he called in Christian Roldan, right? Not Alex Roldan. Like, this is my biggest... This has got to be my biggest gripe with with Berhalter this entire tournament. It's like, why are you playing Roldan out on the wing? It's... It's... Ugh. It's infuriating. Um, in the attack, once Roldan and Zardes come on, it was much more of like a... From my viewpoint, it was more of a 4-2-2-2. You could even say it was a 4-4-2. So the shape changed when Roldan came on. Uh, he wasn't necessarily like a winger, per se, but he was playing out wide, and I just don't think that's the position for Roldan. And I think it's, you know, we're not really seeing what he could do. He did get this assist for the game-winning goal. You know, like I said, I think it was kind of a junk ball that he just lofted up there. I don't think, like, you guys can, uh, you know, try and explain that one to me and of why it was just an amazing precision cross that he was totally lofting it up to someone at the back post, and he knew Hoppy was going to be there. Because that's what the commentators do all the time. Like, someone does something, and they're like, oh, he just he meant exactly to do that. Like, when Zardes scored that first, or assisted that first goal of the tournament divines, the commentators on Fox were like, he totally meant to do that. I'm like, no, he didn't. Uh, I, you know, you can explain that one all you want. I don't think that was a good ball. I mean, the air under that thing was... <laughs> Dude, he just laughed it up there. And Zardes was in Blake's way, which made him not be able to get to the ball. And the defenders didn't really make good plays on it. And Hoppy had the best vantage point of it and just put his head on it. I mean, I give more credit to Hoppy for making that play then Rodon throwing up that ball. So I don't think he did a bunch that I was like, that was good. But he did get the assist, so, you know, good for him. I'm mostly just pissed off at him playing on the wing because I don't, I don't need to see that. So we already know that we have a lot of depth on the wing. It's the midfield that's still lacking in depth. Uh, Zhao Kini and Cannon come on at the 83rd. Uh, I can't think of much that Cannon did, so... Not really going to talk about him. I guess he just had a, you know, the, mostly what he was on for was to just be defensively sound, fresh legs in the defensive half, and play uh, to the end of the game and just hold on to that lead. Zhao Kini, I can't really even think of him doing much either. Um, I thought he did. It was kind of that point also where we were just defend, 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 and it's not really what an attacker wants to do, right? <laughs> they want to come in and score or something. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the subs were just a defensive mindset. I, I wish that I wish he would have brought in Williamson for Legette towards the end of the game, or Busio just to have more fresh legs in the midfield. That's my only gripe. 
about his subs. Um, I thought the subs were good as far as like the choices of the subs. I don't like Roldan playing on the wing, but it was good choices for the subs. And a lot of people talking about like how Hoppy scored right before he came off, but I, who cares? Like he was tired and you could see that he was tired and he was t- starting to make mistakes because he was getting more tired uh, that were leading to potential troubling chances for Jamaica. So he come off at the right time and good for him for getting that goal. Cause he definitely deserved it. But yeah, the subs were good. The positioning of one of the subs pisses me off, but this is how it is. And overall, Greg Berhalter, pretty good game, man. Uh, he did pretty well. I thought let's rate some of these players. Uh, I didn't really rate him when we were talking about him. So Turner, pretty good game from him, right? Um, uh, average is five. Sucked is like one, which I don't think anyone will really get a very bad score this this game. Ten is fantastic. So, I, you know, I go like an eight and a half for Turner because he made that fantastic save. He kept us in the game. If it wasn't for a penalty, st- a stupid penalty that was given up by uh, Acosta to Martinique, he'd have no goals conceded in this entire tournament, and he would still have a clean sheet in every one of his USMNT appearances. So he played fantastic. Um, and I give him a little higher rating because I think he actually did more with the ball at his feet than I was expecting. So I really liked seeing that. I was, I was really like, Oh, I'm impressed. I like what I see center backs. <laughs> Both of them played fantastic as well. So Robinson Sands, I think, uh, as a group, like as a, a pair together, they can get like a, a another eight, I mean, I gave Turner eight and a half. So uh, both the center backs, I'm going to give eights. Um, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to give Robinson an eight and a half as well and Sands an eight because th- that one-on-one last-ditch defending was fantastic, and and so that's going to bump his score up. Uh, Robinson definitely putting himself in this World Cup qualifier conversation. Vines, I'd say uh, five. Just very average. As far as the left backs go, the U.S. doesn't have very many outstanding left backs, so... When comparing him to other potential left backs that could have played in this game for us, I don't know if Bella would have done much more. I don't know what Vines would really do. Or excuse me, I don't really know what Robinson would do different than Vines in this one. Maybe be a little more attack-minded, but there was very important defensive moments in this game too. So that's where Vines is strong. And that's where a lot of people don't notice because they're too focused and worried about offense they don't look at the game as a whole you know like there are many nuanced small things that happen in games that we don't we don't recognize and we take it for granted so vine's just an average performance so more uh i'll go with six um i think he did well sure he did miss that chance i'm not really gonna hold that too much against him though uh good defensive moments a few misplaced passes here and there but i thought he's fairly strong as all things go so a six Acosta, very fantastic from him. Misplaced passes here and there. Not offering much in the attack. Uh, very Kellen Acosta type of offensive display. So seven and a half because he was so fantastic on that defensive side of the ball. Just running around, destroying everything. Very happy for him. And uh, I like what I saw. So seven and a half is very strong. Busio, if we're grading on effort and heart, like a 10, right? But... Since we're grading also with how the game played out, like a 5.5, I wasn't super impressed, I, I have to say. Um, he didn't do a ton. 
I don't know if he does start in the next game against Cutter. I think that I would probably like it to see him. Yeah, I'd probably like to see him start, but Williamson as well, so he, he did okay. <laughs> Leggett, uh quiet performance. Very quiet performance, I should say. Just did the things he needed to do, and honestly, I don't know if he made like a ton of huge mistakes, right? Like I talked about some of the things he didn't do very well, like his set pieces and that horrible shot, but like he didn't do anything wrong. So maybe I, you know, maybe we're all being too negative on him because it was just a very quiet performance. Uh, but I'll just go with five. Like seems like giving him a five is pretty safe before the game even starts. So Ariola. You know, if we take into account that he's coming back off an injury, we'll give him a four. Because I don't think he did very much. So his defensive work rate was pretty high and pretty good. Uh, but that's not really what you want to see from a winger. So a four, which is pretty harsh. <laughs> it's not like he did that bad. So Hoppy, uh, I'll give Hoppy seven and a half, seven. Mm-hmm. You know, he made that goal, so you got to give him credit for that, right? But there was just mistakes that I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, just calm down a little, take better better care of the ball. I don't know, man. I I feel bad for criticizing him because he was trying so hard and he was doing some crazy stuff. A lot of it didn't come off. Some of it did. Uh, He's just a young player, man. Just He's just a young player out there enjoying representing his country and you know, this was his big thing is he wanted to be here just because he wants to represent the U.S. so much. So, seven, seven. I'll just go with seven. I know he scored the goal, but the mistakes. And a lot of people are like, he was our best player in the game. I don't I don't think so. I think Robinson and Turner were good. Um, as far as, like, creativity, sure. I guess you'd say he was probably the best. But a lot of his stuff didn't come off. So, I like Hoppy. I don't think it was... My favorite performance from him, though. So, good goal, though, I must say. Yeah. Like, we can all agree on that one for sure. Uh, for him to rise up at the back post and get his head on that one, I was like, hell yeah, man. Go hoppy. DK, I, t- he was bad. I, he really was bad. I, and I feel bad, but he didn't play very well. He gets like a three. Like, I think he did less than Ariel. I just, yeah, he gets a three. Sorry, uh, DK. You know, nothing too personal because I really like you and your upside. Like, the upside on, on DK is huge. You know, let's let's keep that in mind. But I didn't, uh, I didn't like too much of what I saw from him in this game. So he'll do better. I think he'll come back strong. I'm not worried too much about it. So Zardis, let's get into the subs. Zardis, uh, it's hard to rate the last two, so we'll just rate two subs, the first two subs. Uh, Zardis, I think he played good. Um, I'll give him a six, six and a half, somewhere around there, probably a six. Uh, I think he, I think he was much more proactive on, on the ball and getting involved in the attack and you could see the pace just picked up and we started to be more threatening and more attacking. And, uh, you just had a feeling that he was going to play a hand in getting the goal. They would win us the game. I thought he was going to score there when he first come on and had that shot. Uh, but really, like, if we watch that goal again, he really pushes. Well, he doesn't really push, but he's in Andre Blake's way, the Jamaican goalkeeper. I mean, he's in his way, and it really helps Hoppy get open and get on that ball. So I think Zardis also was trying to get there, but he's like, okay, I think that this might be going over my head. 
or he saw Hoppy and he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chill here, act like I'm going for the ball. The goalkeeper's gonna run into me, and I'm gonna be like, oh, I don't know what happened there. Um, so yes, he had a hand to play in that, and very happy for Zardis because he gets so much crap that I think is undeserved, even for me, because he is just a solid player. He's just very limited in a technical aspect. So <laughs> uh, this is how it is, man. Uh, but I thought he played good. Better than DK, for sure. It's like, yeah, I'm going to give him a twice better score. And he played half the amount of time. So, rolled on. Uh, because he got the assist, we'll give him a five. If he didn't get the assist, it's a four. But that uh, that assist raises his score a little to a five. I was not happy with that ball that he played to Shaq more, like when he first come on. Yes, it was one of his earliest involvements, but he got to do better on a ball like that. So, once again, I don't think he's playing on the wing. It pisses me off. That's on Greg Berhalter, though. So, bring a better roster. Play players where they're supposed to play. Giacchini, Cannon, not going to rate him. They did fine, though. Um, no major mistakes, right? Like, nothing we can point to and be like, well, that sucked. <laughs> uh, let's look ahead to Qatar. Or how, do you, how do you say it? You know, Qatar, Qatar. However you say it, because I don't care. I say it cutter, I'm, but, you know, whatever. They are kind of a surprise for me. Oh, hello, microphone. They're kind of a surprise for me, because I didn't think that they'd make it this far. I thought that they had a chance to get out of the group. I didn't think that they would, though. So for them to be out of the group, I think, is good for them. Uh, I think people just kind of didn't know what to expect. And they've had a pretty decent tournament. Uh, they beat El Salvador 3-2 to two in their quarterfinal game, but they were up 3 yeah, three to nothing. And then uh, Rivas come back for El Salvador, scored two goals in the 63rd and 66th. Got close. I think that if you know we just look at the statistics, uh, El Salvador actually dominated possession. El Salvador had more shots. They had the same amount of shots on target. Uh, El Salvador did have more yellow cards. Unfortunately, uh, they took more corners. They had more offsides called on them, which is usually a sign of attack-minded team that is too eager, <laughs> which I'll take. Um, that's fine with me. And uh, they forced Cutter to have more saves. So in an all-in-all aspect, if we just looked at the stats and you didn't tell me the scoreline, I would have probably said uh, that, that uh, El Salvador won this game. I would predict maybe two to one, something like that. But the penalty obviously helps in the 55th for Cutter. And El Salvador just wasn't able to find that final goal to tie it up and send it into extra time, maybe penalties or whatever. So honestly, like I said, I think that the U.S.'s mission is accomplished. We made it to where I wanted us to make it to, which is the semifinals. To be a part of this final four, I'm very happy with, in all honesty. I want us to win this game, yes, but am I going to be super pissed off if we lose? No, uh, I won't be. I will be like, okay, if we get completely played off the field and get embarrassed, I will come on here and be very upset. <laughs> if we go out there, play a strong game, it's like a very close score or a decently close score, and we lose, well, that's the game, and that's this roster being deficient, in my opinion. So I'm happy with where we're at, 
But with that being said, I do think that we have a really good chance to make it to the finals. Um, the way things have shaped up, playing Cutter, I think, is ideal. Uh, yes, they're a wild card. They're unknown. But I still think that we have a better team than them. I think El Salvador even had a better team than them. Um, but they just weren't able to to contain them early on, and that's what cost El Salvador. So I'm actually pretty excited for this matchup. I want to see what Cutter has to offer. I haven't watched them very much. Like I watched them play Panama, I think it was, in the group stages a little. Kind of was impressed with what I saw from, from Cutter against them. So I'm going to be interested to see how this game goes. Uh, I think they run a back three. Let me look. Yeah, so, well, I don't know how you want to look at it. Back five, back three. But they run like a 5-3-2, a 3-5-2, something like that. And I think that if we can dominate the midfield and maybe we run a back 3-2, but I don't think so. Uh, if we could dominate the midfield in this game and take advantage of the play through the middle... That could be good, uh, but with their three center backs, that might be tougher. So maybe the real plan would be to exploit the wings, get those center backs, uh, those outside backs, wing backs, whatever you want to call them, out of position, and then really go at them from the wings. Then again, we don't really have any true wingers that are going to help us. So I'm very interested to see how we approach this game. I think, personally, that we are going to... Man, this is a big call. But I'm going to say, I think that we're going to win this game. Um, I feel very confident that we can get past the hurdle and get into the final. I'm sure we'll see Mexico because Mexico and Canada play each other, so that's what I'll predict. But overall, pretty happy with uh, with what this group, considering how I think as a whole, the group like isn't really ideal for our national team You know, because it's a B, C team type of setup. I'm impressed, and I'm I'm happy with what they've done so far. So, you know, let's get out of here. Let's see how this game at Cutter goes, and uh, I'm all I'm all for it. So, you guys have a good rest of your day. Hope you like the show. Uh, let me know what you guys thought about the the game against Jamaica because I was pretty happy with it overall. Even though it was close, even though you know there were times we struggled, I was really happy with the game. So, all right, you guys have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the show. Peace out. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Electric Sports Talk. Join us in future episodes as we discuss all things U.S. soccer, collegiate sports, mixed martial arts, motorsports, the NFL, MLB, and the Olympics. If you enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or shoot us an email to electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.